This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Hi, I'm Susie Garden, and this is the Ageless and Awesome podcast. I'm an age-defying naturopath and clinical nutritionist, and I'm here to bust myths around women's health and aging so that you can be ageless and awesome in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. The Ageless and Awesome podcast is dedicated to helping women through perimenopause and menopause with great health, a positive mindset, and outrageous confidence. Hit subscribe or follow now, and let's get started. Hello, gorgeous one, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast. Oh man, it's the week before Christmas, and I'm going on holidays at the end of this week, and I'll tell you, I'm feeling it. And I know a lot of people around me are as well in terms of that fatigue that starts to get to that kind of lead up to holidays. And I think part of it is psychological that you're thinking, okay, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Um, And part of it is too, because at this time of year, there's just a lot going on, right? There's a lot of um, festive kind of events on. There's lots of rituals when it comes to the end of school, all of that sort of stuff that might be going on in your life, as well as just people wanting to catch up before the end of the year, all of the things that need to be done from a work point of view before, you know, so many people have a break. So yeah, I totally feel you if you're feeling like, oh, cannot wait to get to the end. And, you know, a lot of people say to me when they are in this kind of space that they find that they're drinking a lot more. And so that's what I wanted to talk about this week on the podcast, because, hey, don't get me wrong. I love to have a drink. I love wine. I love gin. I, yeah, it's a big part of the Australian culture for sure. And I know uh, our American friends that might be listening may have heard this, that, you know, Australians really do like to have a drink, but 
when you do hit your perimenopause years, alcohol is not very kind to you. And it definitely does impact you more than it would have previously. And I don't necessarily mean impact you in terms of, you know, not needing as much alcohol to feel the the effects of it, although that might be true for many people. It's more that how it it has a short-term and a long-term impact on your health. So I wanted to get into that today because when you have knowledge, then you can make better decisions. Uh, And so, yeah, let's get started on this. So I guess the first impact of alcohol, that certainly one that gets me all of the time. You know, I've spoken often on this podcast about my own battles with sleep and insomnia, and I've definitely noticed the difference when I've had a couple of drinks. And like, I don't, let me be clear, I don't drink a lot. Um, I can really only tolerate maybe two drinks, and that's all I really want to have. But even that will have a huge impact on my sleep that night. Huge. Even though most recently, as, I, as I've talked about a few episodes ago, I've, I'm having a fantastic run at the moment with my sleep. And but on those nights that that I've had a couple of drinks, that I'm definitely noticing an impact on my sleep that's quite significant. And the thing is, what we already know is that alcohol generally will help you get to sleep but it will disrupt your sleep. So people are more likely to wake up frequently or wake up and not be able to get back to sleep uh, when they've had a few drinks. And I know for myself, and this is something that is definitely a perimenopause thing, is that I get heart palpitations in the middle of the night if I've had a few drinks. And um, it's horrible. I remember the first time it happened, I, I was lying there thinking, do I need to go to hospital? Like, am I going to die? And it was a real thought that it was like, man, I don't know what's actually going on here. And when I looked into it the next day and read up on it, I was like, yep, absolutely. This is something that can happen with alcohol when you're in your 40s and 50s and beyond. And for me, my mom has um, significant heart arrhythmia disorders. And I think it's quite common in the women in our family. And so I'm very conscious of it. And I don't want to end up with a serious condition that requires, you know, some pretty serious medication. So I'm all over that. But at the same time, I like to drink. So it's about managing it. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how, why, you know, alcohol is bad for sleep. And there is that, that link between alcohol and triggering off heart palpitations for sure. But also if you're drinking sort of more long-term, then it can really interfere with your melatonin. And so melatonin, as you are probably aware, is a sleep hormone and it can actually reduce your melatonin production if you're having a lot of alcohol, particularly over a long period of time. And that really will disrupt your sleep and your circadian rhythm. Um, the other thing that alcohol can do is actually worsen hot flushes and night sweats, which is often one of the factors influencing or disrupting rather sleep. And you may have even noticed that, I mean, we know that alcohol is a vasodilator, so it it, it dilates your blood vessels. Um, there are quite a number of women who get quite flushed in the face. I mean, since my twenties, I've got flushing when it comes to alcohol. Um, but yeah, it 
definitely will worsen hot flashes and night sweats if you're prone to those. So unfortunately, from a sleep point of view, alcohol is not your friend. I mean, (laughs) you know, yeah, I'll get onto how much alcohol really is um, probably, I don't want to use the word recommended, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, another thing that alcohol does is it actually shrinks the brain and which is pretty scary, right? When you think about it, it shrinks the brain and in particularly a part of the brain that's called the hippocampus, the hippocampus helps regulate your, um, stress response and your relaxation response, right? And so if you're getting this impact on your hippocampus, um, then you can uh, have what we call this HPA axis dysfunction, which is an inappropriate, I guess, activation of the stress response. It makes you feel more anxious, more stressed. Uh, So alcohol will have an impact on that. So if you're already someone that's experiencing anxiety, alcohol or or high levels of stress, alcohol is not going to be your friend. Even though a lot of people do use alcohol as a a self-medicating device, um, long-term, it's not your friend when it comes to that. So that's something good that I think we should know about. Another thing with regard to alcohol is it stimulates appetite. And I think we've probably all experienced that. Um, Also, it so as well as you know stimulating appetite it really mucks around with your blood glucose metabolism and can cause those blood glucose spikes and then dips so it really makes you crave sugar crave carbs crave you know chips that kind of thing uh and also just yeah makes you very very hungry and so you overeat and that can lead to weight gain, which for most of us, we're trying, we've already got a few things working against us at this time of life. So if you can kind of get yourself sort of avoid the things that are going to get you in that position as much as possible, then that's really helpful. Uh, also alcohol will interfere with your estrogen metabolism. So a really direct impact on your hormones and you may have not know this, but alcohol is actually a risk factor for estrogen related conditions such as fibroids in the uterus and breast cancer. And even one drink a day will significantly increase your risk of breast cancer. Alcohol is estimated to be the sole cause of at least 8% of breast cancers. So, you know, if you've already got this in your family, breast cancer that is, and then you're sort of drinking on a daily basis or a significant amount of alcohol, it's something you may want to reconsider um, if you're wanting to reduce your risk in that area. Also with regard to alcohol, man, I'm sorry, but I feel like I'm really the bearer of bad news. I didn't realize when I started talking about this today that we're going to go down this rabbit hole. But anyway, uh, when I'd made my notes, it didn't seem quite so doom and gloom. But now that I'm verbalizing it, Yeah, (laughs) makes me want to go and have a drink. But anyway, uh, so yeah, alcohol also can damage your gut microbiome. And as you know, I'm really passionate about gut health and preserving our microbiome and doing everything we can to make sure we're looking after the bacteria that we have because they are the best. They are the best rather than smashing yourself with probiotics. So unfortunately, alcohol does damage the gut microbiome um, and it promotes leaky gut Um, which is uh, the medical term for that is increased intestinal permeability, 
Um, so that is something that can cause all sorts of issues such as um, skin rashes, itchiness, um, food intolerances, mood issues, like so many things. So yeah, you definitely do not want to be dealing with that. So it's again, another thing to consider when you're looking at, well, how much alcohol do I really want to be putting into my body? Um, probably, gosh, have I covered everything? There's, there's are other things. So for example, you know, uh, alcohol can make it hard to build, um, healthy bones, healthy muscle, um, something that, you know, we're already battling with in menopause. And also, you know, there are some, the, issues with just heart disease generally. Um, I know that we think of alcohol as, or a degree of alcohol, especially red wine, of being um, healthy and protective. That's because of the polyphenols and the resveratrol in it. And that is often linked with the Mediterranean diet. We think of having wine. It's actually in the Mediterranean diet pyramid uh, is wine, having wine with meals. And I feel like it's really hard to say, well, that's a healthy thing to do because we have so much evidence that really shows that it's not. I mean, from what I've read, it seems that say up to five drinks a week, you're probably going to get away with. I don't know that you could really say there's any absolutely safe level of alcohol intake that you can have if you're really truly looking at health. However, I look at health in a holistic way. And if you enjoy alcohol and you enjoy social activities where you're having a drink, I feel like there are some really positive psychological benefits to that, that may, you know, just override that. But what I would absolutely suggest that you're sticking to like one to two drinks and you're drinking lots of water around that. And the other thing is the nutrients that support your metabolism of alcohol and the detoxification of alcohol in the liver. And those nutrients specifically are zinc and B5 and B6. So it was it's an old nutritionist kind of trick is before you go out for the night to have like a B complex. And, and obviously, I think we've all heard of that. Having B vitamins can help and that's why. But also having some zinc will help support the liver to detoxify. So that that is something that can be useful um, if you're, you've got a lot of events and things going on and you know that you'll be drinking. Another great thing that I've we've really seen spring up since the pandemic and during the pandemic is the non-alcoholic drink alternatives. And even a lot of restaurants and bars, certainly in my area, are now, they have that on the menu. So that, you know, of course, mocktails have been around forever, but even, you know, non-alcoholic wine, non-alcoholic beer or low alcohol um, for wine and beer is also available quite widely. And I think it's an awesome option, particularly for women, when you do feel a little under pressure sometimes to drink, whether that's from a partner or from friends or just from the general atmosphere, um, is to have those low alcohol alternatives available um, can be 
awesome so that you do feel like you're, you're, you're belonging and that you're having a good time and you're not just kind of sitting in the corner, sipping on a water um, when everyone else is drinking. And I know it seems crazy as a woman in her 50s to even think that could you be pressured like that, but it does happen. Uh, and I think it's good to have some alternatives available. So I'll just kind of recap, I guess, my little hot tips with how to deal with this is to, you know, limit yourself. So I've always kind of gone by one to two alcoholic drinks, one to two days a week, I think is, you know, pretty good. And that kind of lines up with that no more than five a week. Maybe set yourself that as a goal if you drink more than that um, is to, you know, maybe bring it down. A little definitely uh, the Australian guidelines recommend at least two alcohol free days a week and I would suggest certainly the, the women that I speak to a lot of them I kind of have them in two groups actually when I think about it many of them don't drink alcohol between Mondays to Thursdays that's like their rule and then Friday Saturday Sunday it's you know they they do whatever but then I also have a whole bunch of women that have come to me that are drinking every day, drinking a lot every day and want to stop. And that's one of the reasons they join the Glow Protocol is because they want to stop drinking. I've had many, many women doing that. Uh, so that's a really interesting thing as well. So if you feel like you need support, there's obviously you can speak to your GP. There's um, plenty, I think, of state groups that have um, hotlines you can ring to talk about managing your alcohol use. But I'm not really talking with this podcast of people that have um, a relationship with alcohol that's not within their control. I'm talking about social drinking specifically, or if you are drinking every day, not necessarily to the, the level that you would be uh, in that uh, alcoholic kind of category. But if you are struggling a little bit with letting go of alcohol, definitely there's heaps of resources. So please go online, have a look. And first port of call would always be your healthcare practitioner. Um, so yeah, so in terms of hot tips, I'll get a little bit distracted. Um, yeah, probably no more than five standard drinks a week. Drinking plenty of water alongside that to help your body detox. Drink having uh, maybe a B complex that includes some zinc before and maybe even the next day to. Um, Make sure you've got the nutrients on board to help you with your um, alcohol detoxification. Um, just watching what you're eating a little bit. So making sure you're not going out hungry so that you're not drinking instead of eating. So if you have something, particularly a high protein kind of meal or snack before you go out, uh, for me, my go-to tends to be like a small green smoothie that has protein in it. That will help to just stop me from getting sugar cravings. It will stop me from eating a crazy amount of unhealthy food. And it's just super easy. It's really easy to put together. And to, it's also portable if I need to take it to work with me and then have it before I go out. Um, also just, you know, taking stock of your own risk. If you've got breast cancer in your family, if like me, you have heart conditions in your family, then maybe really thinking about it going, is it actually worth it? Is, or should I, you know, switch over to, um, 
low alcohol or non-alcoholic drinks. And it's certainly becoming in Australia way more acceptable to go out and not drink than it used to be even a few years ago because of this movement and a lot of high profile people that are um, celebrating their sobriety, which is amazing. So it's something to really think about. And the other thing I guess I haven't talked about is just how it impacts you the next day, how it may stop you from doing activities that you really love, uh, how particularly if your sleep has been impacted, how it may impact your eating the next day. And again, this all, you know, I've, I've done a number of podcasts around weight around this time of year and the average Aussie is putting on around three kilos, which is quite a bit really in a short period of time. So if you're managing your alcohol, it really helps you to manage your food intake. So I hope that has been helpful. I wanted to just give a couple of uh, shout outs. Obviously, um, if you're wanting to work with me or thinking maybe, maybe you may want to work with me, then book in for your pre-screening call. Uh, This week in the lead up to Christmas, I am available. The next two weeks after that, I'm on holidays. I'm not doing any work at all. And but I'm back in the office the week beginning the 8th of January. So book in your call. Let's have a chat. See if uh, I can help support you or point you in the direction of perhaps someone who can if you're um, wanting some help with your wellness, your hormones, your weight in 2024. The other thing is I will be launching a 10-day hormone balancing detox. It's free um, in January. I'm launching that. So either follow me on Instagram at Susie Garden Wellness for updates on that, or I will be promoting it on the podcast as well. So enjoy your festive season, your Christmas if you celebrate it. Um, Have a very uh, happy new year. I will be pre-recording some episodes for Christmas and New Year week. Uh, So I hope you enjoy that as well. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Ageless and Awesome podcast. If you liked today's episode, please make sure you click the little plus button if you're on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're on Spotify so that you can get each new episode delivered to you every single week. If you like free stuff and who doesn't, then head over to suzygarden.com and grab my eight essential age-defying secrets every woman over 40 should know right now. Or if you'd like to continue the discussion, head over to Instagram and DM me at Wellness. I'd love to connect with you.